You're listening to Once, episode 169, The Snow Queen. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. I'm Aaron. And we are happy to have you joining us to talk about this episode. And we've included some of your feedback in this as we discuss the episode, The Snow Queen. Now, before we talk about this episode, keep in mind that the next episode of Once Upon a Time, the eighth episode, airing on Sunday, November 16th, will be a two-hour-long episode. It starts at the normal time. 8 slash 7 central, but it will be two hours long, at least two hours long. So if you're doing any kind of DVR or anything like that, make sure that you extend it out a few extra minutes just in case there's a little bit extra content because we've seen some weird things that some listings have said it goes until like 10.01. So just make sure you cover that, cover your bases, and we'll have our podcast discussion about that as normal. But our live initial reactions will then be an hour later than normal still 15 minutes after the episode keep that in mind that's november 16th and then no episode of once upon a time on the following week which would be november 23rd that's the american music awards and the sunday before thanksgiving and then it picks up on the sunday after that keep those things in mind i'll give you some more announcements later on but let's jump into talking about this episode the snow queen Starting out here in this uh, scene, I think looking at the different sisters, it seemed like uh, Gerda is kind of the optimist, the youngest little girl. You know, oh, the kite's broken, but the ribbons will look great in our hair. Right. She's also the littlest liar. Yeah. (laughs) Like, we found it this way. It was already (laughs) ripped for sure. We were just flying it ripped. I don't think they were flying it, though. I thought that, too, the first time I watched it, but then I thought they were just chasing it. Oh. Oh. I think the guy was flying it to, like, lure children to him. Interesting, because I, there was a moment where they're running, and I'm like, oh, they're flying a kite. And then one oh. of them said, Ingrid, it drifted this way. And I was like, well, you're flying it. What's your problem? <laughs> yeah. That, okay, that makes sense now, because the guy was holding the string. Oh. Yeah. And. Whoa. Yeah, when it crashed, I don't think they said, you ripped it. They said, look, it's ripped. Yeah. Mind equals blown. Man, I totally misjudged Gerda. I'm sorry, little girl. That's why I do a (laughs) rewatch. I know you guys did one too, but that was one of the things I noticed in the rewatch, but not in the first. How funny. First watch. I did think they picked the perfect young actress to play Ingrid. They Yeah, she did a good job. Did they? And I think... Something maybe they do. I can't tell if they really do it this way, but I think when they pick a child to play a younger version of someone, it seems like the two work together and mimic each other a little bit. Because I felt like Elizabeth Mitchell made some faces that that girl makes during this episode a little bit. More so than like not normal Elizabeth Mitchell faces, Uh, you mean? Maybe. I can't think of any specific examples. The funny thing is I couldn't figure out until almost the end of the rewatch, why I was so familiar with that girl. Uh, she was in um, last season of The Walking Dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, funny thing is, there's some thing I won't give spoilers, but there were some funny things about her character that 
when I contemplated them, they made her an even more perfect actress to play young Ingrid. <laughs> but they didn't really show many of those qualities while she was that young in this show. Her Walking Dead character? You're yeah. Saying? Yeah, that girl had some, huh. uh, some issues. I can totally see her growing up to be the Snow Queen. When I think about that character is what made it really funny for me when I realized who she was. Oh. I don't know if they picked her because of that. And they're like, wow, she does. She does innocent and psychotic all at the same time really well. Or <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll see her again in a later episode. Maybe. Where she has to be a little bit more. Except that she didn't really turn that way until later. True. Hmm. Which come to think of it, we didn't really, we still haven't really seen that turn happen for Ingrid, have we? No, not really. The turn from from nice to evil? Yeah, because she still was fine even when she, you know, when the accident happened. She was probably conscious during the whole time that she was in that urn, mm. just not able to do anything. And being conscious for that mm. long gives someone some disdain. Because Existing as milk. Like, I mean. look at, yeah, look at when Elsa <laughs> came out of the urn. Back at the end of season three. She made she, ice and blew it up. Yeah, she blew it up because she was upset at it. It's like, ugh, I'm so happy to be out of that thing. <laughs> well, Which, why would yeah. she be if she never felt being inside of it? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. If not for her knowing that time passed, she should have, like the Snow Queen, when she got out of the urn, she would have been still kind of like hysteric, hysterical for her sister's death and hysterically trying to convince her other sister that she was fine hmm. right like that she that it was an accident so yeah, it's different from pandora's box that they put pan in <laughs> and henry accidentally where they were not conscious of what was going on outside of the box or of their own passing of time this was different yeah and i think it was yeah ingrid kind of alluded to the idea that she knew that she had spent i mean she said something about if anyone knows you don't want to spend a long time in that urn, it's me, something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she felt it. You know, I've noticed it seems like it's always the firstborn that gets the magic. Now that we have the birth <laughs> order correct, or I have the birth <laughs> order correct, then we see that here Ingrid is the firstborn. She got mm-hmm. magic. Emma is firstborn. She got magic. Uh, Elsa, firstborn. She got magic. Maybe we that's look- why Rumpelstiltskin likes firstborns. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and that is something significant about, like, that's something very specific about Rumpelstiltskin is that he's always after firstborns, not just babies. Zelina, firstborn. She had magic, stronger magic than Regina. Oh, eh, stronger. Regina had to learn magic. Zelina was born with magic Mm -hmm. because she did a whole baby kung fu thing on that (laughs) tree that one time. (laughs) Baby kung fu. Oh, why can Ingrid not take that memory away? No, just, just kidding. How did the uh, little death scene feel to you with the branch and the ice and the... I felt like that whole scene, like basically they summed up the entire message of Frozen, like the entire movie (laughs) in what, like two and a half minutes. (laughs) They very quickly got from... Oh, we we love each other. Oh, he's going to hurt us. Oh, I hurt him. Oh, it was an accident. Everyone's going to hate me. Oh, but we're sisters. We'll help you control it. The end. We'll live happily ever after. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. 
but there was something about the logistics of the killing. I was like, that was a really violent kick. Yeah. yeah. I totally thought her ice was going to hit him and kill him. But then the branch gets hit and it falls on him, but he just sort of stands there to say you're a monster and then it kills him. And I'm just envisioning more like, couldn't the ice like hit him? And then while he's laying there about to die, he goes, you're a monster. And then the producers may have thought about the logistics of that. And this guy is holding both of her sisters. So because she was kicked back, she was mm-hmm. naturally kind of pointed up with her hands, not yeah. down toward him. Well, so, her hands could have been anywhere. but Yeah, but it, it made more sense, I think, with physics and everything for it to happen like this. I guess the pause for him to say it, though. He still should have uttered yeah, it while he was dying, true. not said it while he waited for the branch to fall. Yeah. I think it was just a really pro tip, fast. guys. That one's free. <laughs> yeah, that was a very violent, creepy scene, which like it did set up everything we needed to know very quickly. But yeah, it was yeah, a little creepy, a little violent, especially when you know that the kite was actually being luring them. Yeah, he's like another Pied Piper, but not as <laughs> menacing as Peter Pan. <laughs> At the birthday party, there's a nice little (laughs) nod to Frozen here. I'm not sure if you noticed this. And I didn't think about it until I saw it. This was at the father's 70th birthday party. Mm. Old guy. And he didn't look, you know, a day over 60. But uh, he (laughs) turned 70. They're having this party for him. There's a band there. And the camera starts by showing the guy playing the tuba. And he's got this kind of funny expression on his face when he's playing the tuba. I watched part of Frozen today looking for a screenshot of something, and I realized that's the exact same way that the party starts in Frozen. Really? Elsa's coming oh. out party. Oh. It starts out with the camera on the tuba player. Interesting. And then it zooms out, and it shows the little band there, and it was the same band here, basically. But that room was not the ballroom, was it? Uh, it's Yeah, it is, basically. It, well, okay. It looked more like the library where... Anna ran and like jumped into all the paintings and things like that. Hang in there, Joan. Right. And the reason (laughs) I bring it up specifically is because I suddenly realized this is the same castle. And I started to notice little things like in the girl's room, it's the same wallpaper pattern as in Anna's room in the movie. I tried to, you know, I looked a little bit. It doesn't look like they've got the room exactly the same, but they put in a lot of details that were very similar. Yeah, and they won't get things exactly the same. And I don't think they really have to because animation stuff works a lot differently than when you're shooting live action. But yeah, getting it very close like that, I didn't notice the wallpaper. See, I made note of the bands because it reminded me, I thought it was reminding me of the Swan Princess because in that movie there's a band that actually helps also with training. But And there's been some similarities to Swan Princess just because of Emma before uh, like a, a necklace and and just the swan in general. But yeah, maybe it was just I, I went there because I knew about that band and maybe it's really familiar because of Frozen. So I've mm. certainly seen Frozen enough that it, that would just be deja vu in my head. <laughs> I think we've all seen Frozen enough. And someone in the chat room is pointing out, Sarah in the chat room points out, do they really have to repeat all of these lines all the time? Yeah. It's like, today, we want to teach you about whether someone is or is not a monster, because see parallels. 
Yeah. We want you to see parallels. <laughs> I mean, some of the repeated lines are nice. Yeah. Some of them are a little bit forced. And I think they're just for the sake of repeating a line from Frozen. Well, it's not even just that. It's, you know, it, I mean, it's the other repetition is what they always do where they they come up with a little catchphrase like yeah. monster. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of like the way they have worked in some wording specifically from Frozen and from some of the songs in little subtle ways that aren't too obvious. Or forced, yeah. Like uh, Rumpel giving them the urn, he says... All the realms will be safe from you. And, it, you know, it's kind of a reference to some lyrics from Frozen. Oh, yeah. About you'll be safe from me. It's kind of weird wording. I didn't notice it the first time. But we got the Duke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and his dancing. Jenny watched this episode with us for her first time when we were watching it for our second or third time. Mm-hmm. And so she, we'd already seen, yeah, that's the Duke of Weaselton. <laughs> and uh, she saw it and she said, is that the Duke? And then she sees him dancing and she's like, yep, that's him. <laughs> I loved that. I thought that was like just such a great way to, I, I didn't like that didn't feel forced. It felt like it felt like they were, it really worked with the story. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was such a good, like, nod to Frozen as well. Except, doesn't he seem too young? No. No? I think this would well, be yeah. entirely appropriate because this happens. Remember, this is Ingrid's story, not Elsa's story. So, right. This, Elsa's well, I know story, that, but I was thinking Gerda, for example, seemed probably not too, too much younger than she would be when she got married and... But I was thinking, I was calculating to the little girl's age, not right. Elsa and Anna. So it's probably a good 20 to 30 years later that we um, see him in Frozen. Or, well, more like somewhere around 18 or 20. Well, I'm because, accounting for time before yeah. she even got married. Yeah, and before Elsa was born. After the party, though, one of the things I've been a little surprised about in this episode yes it did happen at the party and it's what inspired snow queen to leave or ingrid uh, but it didn't happen any of the other times i would have really expected that and that is the snowflakes the flurry around ingrid whenever she was feeling emotional like there in the room when she was packing up after the party wanting to leave no flurry that would have been a moment I would have expected it, as well as later on in the gazebo. I would have expected her to have a flurry or a snowstorm, mm-hmm. but no, none of that. Forecasters maybe they hate just, her. Maybe they just had the budget for the one. <laughs> Not too many flurries. <laughs> but that that is interesting, though, because it's almost like we know in Frozen, Elsa had the flurry when she was grieving the death of her parents. With Ingrid, it's more of she had the flurry when she was like yearning for a normal life. So it could just be that they're because of their personality and their, you know, makeup is a little bit different when they feel that emotion and how it manifests in them, which also might somewhat be indicating just their motives and their overall demeanor, like that Elsa. Elsa was the most tormented when she thought about accidentally hurting her sister versus Ingrid is the most tormented when she's almost jealous, a little bit envious of her sisters in their normal life and not wanting to mess that up for them. Hmm. It's a good observation. I like having and reusing the name 
mist haven for enchanted forest yeah because the enchanted forest is more of a title it's not a proper name necessarily Mm -hmm. we thought of it as a proper name up until recently now we hear it called mist haven which i think makes a lot more sense because there's arendelle there's mist haven there's agrabah well and it's likely someone from arendelle or somewhere nearby who went exploring and made their maps and gave some things names that maybe they didn't have you know explorers do that they don't have the internet they can't find out what the locals call it (laughs) so mist haven and yeah, it was. It's nice to hear it again because otherwise, it's just an obfuscation device for the premiere episode, mm-hmm. and not even a good one. <laughs> right. So, but where, however far away they are, and whatever names they get, they still get the whispers. Oh yeah, the whispers about a man. Well, he is <laughs> the most powerful yes. man in all the realms. They said that in the pilot. Episode. I think he goes around whispering about himself. Well, yeah, that, that seems like a too. very Rumpelstiltskin thing to <laughs> I do. Think so too. Being on this topic, I was almost afraid to say his name for some reason. That was a strange moment. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to know how Gerda, of all of them, how Gerda is the one to know. She's the youngest, and maybe that's how. Like maybe she like read it in a book or something. But why it it parallels well with her knowing about him later when they are going to try and seek information about Elsa, but. Yeah, how how does she hear the whisper but nobody else? It's a redhead thing. Well, she seems to be, even though she seemed to be the optimist as a child, she also seemed to be the most tentative one of all of them. So maybe that tentativeness led her to hear suspicions or listen to some of these whispers of a dark sorcerer. (laughs) Someone had to hear him. Well, when they went to visit him... Rumpel said that true love comes in many forms, but the sisterly bond is worth its weight in magic. And he took those ribbons as the price. We know that Rumpel doesn't just take any random item. He takes things that have some kind of magical value. Things that have been imbued, if you will, (laughs) with something. (laughs) Most of the time, anyway. Or sometimes he has taken things simply because they've been valuable to the person. Like that one time that Snow White called Rumple and showed him the sword. And he said, no, that's not the actual sword from Merlin. Uh, because if it was, I couldn't do this. And for wasting his time, he took Snow White's necklace that belonged to her mother. Mm. We've never seen that necklace ever again. That was just kind of a spontaneous price because you wasted my time, which is precious to me. So I'm going to take something that's precious to you. Aside from things like that, I'm talking about when he makes deals. Mm -hmm. It's always he wants something valuable to him, Mm -hmm. something magical, something he can do something with. So could he already have, we saw him give them back. Could he already have done that thing? Or was he just holding on to them because they had some value? And eventually he exchanged it for information. Uh, he collects them. magical items. So I think yes. it was just he wanted a okay. magical item from them and he didn't know yeah. quite how he would do it or right. what he would use it for. I was, though, wondering at the end if he had taken them for the sole purpose of making that trade again in the future. I think that's a little more specific than he usually sees. But back in the past, he is very specific because mm. he has that foresight. Well, think about this. This is before... Snow White and Prince Charming. 
So at this point, he might be in the position of making the dark curse, and he realizes that he needs something imbued with true love. <laughs> and so, as he said to the sisters, true love comes in many forms. And later he refers to these ribbons as receiving magic from true love. So maybe he recognized this and thought, oh, maybe I can use that in my dark curse. I love that he wanted to train Ingrid. Yeah. His first thought, oh, magic, I'm going to train. <laughs> Which makes me wonder if this is before or after Zelina and Regina. Hmm. Yeah. I think this would... Oh, that's interesting. This would be before. But before or after Cora, that's a tough one. You know what? I'm going to leave that to Keb. Keb, good right. luck figuring that out. <laughs> we'll Keb, look at the timeline happily. Yeah, Keb manages oh, well. our timeline. Uh, I know she's <laughs> we'll a couple be. episodes behind because she does a lot of amazing work on managing our timeline. But check it out over at oncepodcast.com slash timeline. And just thank her for the great job that she does in making that timeline and all the details that go into that and how much time she spends. That's why it takes her some time to catch up on the episodes because <laughs> she does such an amazing job on it. So thank you, Keb. You can have that one. We'll let you figure that <laughs> one out. And this will not be the last time tonight we're talking about right. the timeline. It's uh, it's kind of funny. They're, they seem to not be used to a lot of magic in Arendelle. And yet Rumpel kind of stands up from his chair and boom, he's behind them. And they don't, they didn't miss a beat. They didn't blink they didn't look at him funny yeah they weren't afraid they were just like oh yeah he, he can do that well they do know that they're going to see like the most powerful man in the world it's true but i'd still be freaked out if he just went from one spot to another yeah is this uh the first time we've seen rumple oh i think i know the answer to this but take an object like that like i know he took the hair but that was to make true love's potion but is this the first time he's taken, is this the first time we've learned that an object like a ribbon can be imbued with powerful magic? Chronologically, I think so. <laughs> but, but not in the show in general. Right. I just, I was thinking that, that because of how he specifically worded it and how he made it so clear that these objects like hold so much power, I was just wondering if that was going to come into play later in some way in a good way uh like for the good guys and it made me think of emma's baby blanket just because we know that hmm. that we know that the snow queen is trying to turn emma or at least make her uh, make them the two of them allies and then it it just i wondered about the blanket because we did just see it in the last episode it hasn't made an appearance for a while other than that like, I think I was even wondering whether it made it through the second curse back and forth and the memory and everything. So I won't be surprised if that has some kind of significance just because it's been with her her whole life <laughs> and it's straight from the love of her parents and right. granny. What's also been with at least Gerda her whole life is that pair of gloves because those are the same gloves that Elsa later wears in frozen i compared them you yes. can look at the screenshots and the show notes oncepodcast.com slash 169 they are clearly they're the same color the kind of turquoise cyan yeah. color, but they have the same pattern on the back of them as the gloves that elsa wears when she's an adult the gloves in, i'm talking about in the movie frozen in the movie frozen the gloves her parents give elsa are white 
but those are when Elsa is a young girl. It's later on, the gloves she wears and, you know, that iconic glove that she throws off into the air. Yes. She says something like, uh, let it fly, let it be, <laughs> may it be, I, I don't know. Well, but, you know, one of those things that she says like that. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about the whole Rumple gave him the gloves thing. Because he gives magical, I mean, the urn is quite magical and powerful. But they're like, do the gloves work? He's like, well, if, they, if you believe it, yeah. faith is powerful. And the thing is... Rumpelstiltskin would give them gloves that would block her power. Like, he could do that. But they couldn't do that and have them be the same gloves because in the movie they clearly, like, they helped, but they don't... I don't know. They didn't seem magical in the movie. Right. Clearly. Yeah, and and Elsa's father just said, these will help. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. But we certainly never saw Elsa in Frozen use the magic when she was wearing the gloves and ingrid never so put them helped. on in the episode which i also found a little strange yeah. it's like they didn't quite go with her wardrobe but they came from the movie and so they wanted them there but they're like you cannot <laughs> wear these gloves with your white dresses so we just have them it's good well they really would not go with that dress so she made a good call um but the the third thing the unseen thing that rumple gave to ingrid was a lost reference <laughs> oh <laughs> fail safe Oh. <laughs> called the urn a fail safe yeah it's like <laughs> suddenly she looks like juliet to me <laughs> it's also a reference from season two of once upon a time yeah the mm. the curse fail safe they like to use the word well rumple likes to cover his bases but it was her that's that was the connection point for me the duke is such a creep yeah and very appropriate for i mean his character and the actor they got to play him i think played the part voiced the part really well but i wasn't able to double check this in time for the podcast but i'm pretty sure that the duke had referred to arendelle as a mysterious flower in frozen i know he talked about uh, open up them that i might exploit your secrets and all of that stuff <laughs> and the whole wait did i say that out loud mm-hmm. thing a lot of that yeah carried over and i think that's that's just a great part of his personality that makes him this. But he is, ugh. he's obsessed with mysteries, I think. He wants not mm-hmm. what he can have, but he wants what he can't have, the thing that he can't understand. He's fascinated by that. <laughs> well, it's a good thing he doesn't have magic because then all he'd ever really want is, I don't know what he'd really want, but he'd be a villain. A, he'd yeah. Want what all villains want a mega villain. Everything. Right. <laughs> He does. I think I think that he wants to be king too. I didn't think of the whole loving mysterious things, but as soon as he realized that there was an opportunity to get with the queen that actually or with the sorry, with the princess that's actually going to be queen, it's like, yeah, who cares about that other mm-hmm. one? I yeah, want this true. one. Except that he said Helga would never know. Yeah, oh, that's, that's true. That's a bit odd. <laughs> it's more like he was obsessed and lusting and just like he was like, um, well, pretty mysterious lady. Let me kiss you. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't really, make smart choices. That's for sure. It was really creepy, but he also came off largely, I don't know. I don't know. He he deserved more than he got. We'll put it that way. I don't understand why the first blast didn't kill him. Neither do I. It was onto the ground. When Elsa blasted, she blasted onto the ground Which so is- that she could push him back and he slid mm. off of that ice then out of the gazebo well that makes more sense 
I was wondering, too, why it didn't hurt him more, especially when we see later that clearly Ingrid has the power to hurt people more than that. I mean, he could have at least lost his feet. <laughs> well, it's the heart. that I know. Maybe. They couldn't do anything to him, though, because he has to be in Frozen. Yeah. <laughs> you can't kill the characters we see later. That's true. So I really loved that Helga wasn't swayed by his lies at all. Yes. But then yes. I thought her death was one of the sadder deaths in Once Upon a Time. And it wasn't oh, yeah. because we saw her for so long, but I think it was the way it happened. It was really fast. She didn't have any last words. And then the crumbling was really gross and scary. And, and final, too. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think people might think that she was protecting the Duke when she jumped in front of him, but I think that her only motivation was to stop her sister from becoming a killer. I think so, yeah. Actually, she didn't step in front of the Duke. Did she not? The Duke ran behind her. It, if you watch it, rewatch it, you'll see the Duke kind of grabs her and either pulls her in front of him hmm. or he hides behind her. In other, in I thought she case, shouted no. Yeah, she did, but he used her as a shield, and he was a coward. And whichever way mm-hmm. you interpret his actions, as I, from what I can tell, he did something basically either hiding behind her or pulling her in front of him. He was a coward and okay. <laughs> caused her death, basically, because of his action. I don't like that she died, but I like that explanation better because... I think every time we've ever seen somebody in Once Upon a Time and even in Frozen take a hit for somebody else, it does not result in death. Mm. Usually, like when Emma jumped in front of Mary Margaret in Queen of Hearts, mm-hmm. it did not result in death. I originally thought that that was because she sacrificed herself for her mother, but it was because of her magic. But still, I like that it wasn't a sacrifice then. Yeah. If hmm. she died. <laughs> I'm, I still don't like that she died, just to clarify. Right. <laughs> and she, getting to see her in person, Helga really does not look like Emma. No. No. <laughs> so the, it was just the whoever said, she looks just like you yeah, was, was kind of exaggerating a little bit. Yeah. So I guess he sees all blondes as the same. Emma should probably get away from him. He did say there are a lot out there. Or she just dye her hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe that's all it would take. One of the things that has been an issue we've been trying to figure out, a lot of people have commented on the show notes from our initial reactions. I've seen a lot of comments in the forums about this and chat and everything there is when did Ingrid learn her magic? Because she goes into this urn and she's wearing the exact same thing when she goes into the urn as when she comes out of the urn. And when she comes Mm. out of the urn, She's all in control of her magic. Now, you can say that when she froze Hans, that she was just reacting out of what she already knew she was able to do because of her last emotional feeling caused a very similar thing where it froze someone. But then referring to that episode when or the events after she's released from the urn, she teaches Elsa how to control her magic. Where did that come from? Because just before... Ingrid was put in the urn, she was saying, I can't control it anymore. So maybe while she's in the urn, she's conscious and able to think through how she's going to control it. 
Maybe she was little. Maybe she goes in and out of the urn as milk, but then really <laughs> inside she's just tiny, and she was just like making snowmen and ice palaces, like the genie bottle. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Maybe that wasn't the first time she got let out of the urn that we've seen. I mean, well, because she even was like, "Have you built an ice palace yet?" Well, she never did that before she oh, went yeah. in the urn. At least it doesn't appear so. Yeah, maybe she was out for a while. Maybe Rumpelstiltskin mm. let her out, taught her some stuff. And then said, nah. And put her back when he was done. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Just like you're supposed to do with all of your toys. Put them back when you're finished. Jeez. Well, she was probably no longer useful to him. And what do yeah. you do with things that aren't useful? That's true. And you we throw them away. But we don't know yet when Elsa and Rumpel have their backstory. And it's most likely chronologically after the events we see in this episode. When she's released from the urn, some kind of deal she probably makes with Rumple in order to get to Storybrooke. Oh, but, you mean Ingrid? Yeah, Ingrid. I was just thinking because Elsa could have a backstory with him too, so I thought you would jump to that. But no, we. I am sure that she's been out of the urn. It sounds like, I don't know, like it's a catchphrase for something else, but I can't think what. Uh, do we think that, what do you guys think of Gerda like automatically reacting and sticking out Ingrid in that urn right away. Well, I think it's kind of like what Daniel was saying earlier, that she was always kind of a little bit more skittish, a little hesitant. She was, she waited for Gerda to tell her it was okay to take Ingrid's hand. And she, you know, fear is always a big theme, kind of in Once Upon a Time, but especially in the Frozen story arcs. And she kind of gave in to her fear. Yeah. Yeah, and even as an older woman, you see she's the one with the more concern, a little bit more fear on her face. Helga is the one that's constantly saying, we can do this, we're Mm -hmm. sisters, don't leave. And it seemed like Helga and Ingrid had a stronger relationship with each other, first and second born. Well, they were both blonde. Yeah, that could be it too. Yeah, and they have more fun. (laughs) So... Gerda was also the one who said, though, that they would never see her as a monster. As forced as the line felt, it was still kind of sadly poetic, full circle, that she's the one who actually Mm -hmm. called her a monster. Do you guys think that it had anything to do with her wanting to be Queen of Arendelle? Nah. See, that's the first thing I thought, just because this show has, like, tainted us to think that people always just want to be queen. Yeah. And it's like, she would have had no hope as a child of being queen, like she would have never even thought that that was a possibility. But then when Ingrid was going to leave, she said to Helga, like, Oh, I'm gone. You're going to be queen now. And so I just wonder if it was like, she had a glimpse of that power and reacted quickly out of Mm. that and fear and grief and just made a bad choice. I don't think she had a power lost. I think it was, just out of fear. So, interestingly, it feels like a really hasty decision to put her in the urn. I'm just sort of wondering now if she could have let her out at some point. Yeah, but then why put her back in? And it seemed like the memory, I mean, she definitely went and got the memory removal right away. The question is whether she used it right away, but I'm assuming she had to. Also consider this. Uh, Yeah. Ingrid has all of her memories from what happened. I think they kind of went out of their way to put Ingrid in the same 
costume in this scene as she was when she comes out of the urn. So if she was released and then put back in, I don't know. I think it's, I think she went in in this episode and stays in until Hans lets her out in the episode that we've oh, already seen. Just so oh, strange. But she's, she's still wearing that episode now in Storybrook. Yeah, she is. Sorry, she's still wearing that outfit. I was going to say. That episode. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Elsa's still walking around in the nightgown, so. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? <laughs> so Grandpappy said that this magic, this very powerful magic, will come at a price. And we know that it's yet to be paid. What is that price? I think Elsa is that price. And all that is to come. Mm-hmm. Elsa's getting the magic? Or what part of Elsa are you saying is the price? Uh, I, I just meant having a child that is has the same burden as the sister that she locked away in the urn yeah that's what i would interpret it as the price just because it's so ironic (laughs) i'm still bugged by the ice palace thing (laughs) when'd she do that how could she why is that a thing why is it you're just like oh have you built one yet well when did she i just want to know Maybe she built like one of the tiny little model ones in her room and <laughs> when she was hiding out when she was a kid and that's what she was talking about. But she didn't have control. She called it Ernendel. Huh. She lived there. Brumch. Getting bitter. <laughs> I kind of question the whole forgetting thing anyway. I don't understand why Arendelle would might would possibly not have survived the tragedy. She wanted to make sure Arendelle would survive this. Why Why does that require forgetting? Well, look at Frozen, how everyone in Arendelle reacted to their beloved queen when they discovered she had this magical power that she couldn't yet control. Everyone was afraid of her. People wanted to kill her. Mm-hmm. They were calling her a monster, all of this stuff. And that was with Elsa. That's probably what Gerda was afraid would happen in Arendelle is that people would revolt against the kingdom or against the hmm. the rulers even though they weren't the ones with the magic that they would think yeah. wait are you're cursed too you have this magic too you're hmm. you're a sorceress maybe it was kind of strange yeah i don't know they say that when you're in grief you shouldn't do anything rash like that so maybe that's one of the reasons why but you know what keeps us out of grief and keeps the podcast going is your kind donations. Oh, Big thanks. <laughs> yeah, it is good. <laughs> Big thanks to David Newland, Lisa Slack, Steve Johnson for your kind donations. Each of them are subscribers. That's donating automatically on a monthly basis through the website. But also we've got a new Patreon backer, Lisa Eckert. Thank you very much for backing us on Patreon. That's up to 10 backers now on Patreon. Big thanks for the support because we really could not do this podcast without you. The expenses are really high to run the podcast and everything that's involved with it. So your kind donations really help keep things running. And if you'd like to consider being a donor to an episode or several episodes or anything, we've got several options for you over at oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. You can make a one-time donation, an automatic monthly donation, which is really what helps us the best. If you're trying to figure out what helps us the best, it's that one. 
but you can also donate on a per episode basis through Patreon and you can set your own budget there. So in case we release 100 episodes, you don't have to pay $100 if you don't want to pay that much. But any little bit will help. But you can. Yeah. And we'd love it. <laughs> and someone does do that. Uh, you oh. Look at the names that come up in almost every single episode. <laughs> They're the ones that contribute very generously and we really appreciate that. So if you want to be a donor to and keep this podcast running, then please consider going to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. If you can't contribute financially, then the next best thing you can do for us is share the episodes. When we post a new episode, share it on Tumblr, on Reddit, on Pinterest, on Dancer, on Prancer, on all of the oh other gosh. places, <laughs> and share it on Facebook groups. If there's a Facebook group you're a member of or a page that's about once upon a time, share it there. It always looks better if someone else is sharing it than we are. <laughs> share it on Twitter, retweet us. That kind of stuff really helps a lot. And it helps the podcast grow better than even donating to the podcast. Donating keeps the podcast alive. Sharing the podcast helps it grow. And so we would just let it grow. Let it grow. <laughs> Check out those options for donations over at oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. And all of the sharing options are in every post for every episode. You can go to the show notes for this one at oncepodcast.com slash 169. And thank you for your support. Now let's talk about what we see going on in Storybrooke. When I first saw Ingrid outside of the clock tower, yeah, and she's looking up at the clock, but then she's in the elevator. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what? Is she going down to see Dust Maleficent <laughs> or Dragon Maleficent or whatever form Maleficent is currently in? Is she going down there in the caves and going to build a snowman or some secret <laughs> plot to freeze Storybrooke from underground? No, she was going up. Mm-mm. Well, I figured she was going up, but I thought she was going to broadcast her spell to the town from there. <laughs> Wait, so she went in the elevator up into the clock tower? Yeah. Okay, so, but then Charming says that there's a trail up, but there's not a trail down. Wait a minute. Yeah. You should have brought some salt just in case it was a giant snail. <laughs> well, secretly she is. But yeah, I didn't, I don't remember the elevator actually going up. Do you, does it go up to a certain point and then you take the stairs? Yeah, it like maybe one flight of stairs, an additional flight up. <laughs> Interesting. I just realized that when we started talking about the elevator, I was confused about what she was doing too. She opened the elevator with her hand without touching it. Mm. I, I felt it was peculiar that she suddenly, like she's on the run and everybody's looking for her, but she's just going to, you know, hang out in the public square and... Walk into the clock tower, totally in her white dress, totally <laughs> obvious. To me, it just screams like that she's up to something. It's a trap. trap. It's a trap. <laughs> I thought the first time we watched the episode, I thought that she was about to enact the curse. The was- ice trail, too. She's way more in control than Elsa was. She doesn't ever have to leave that stupid ice trail. She does it on purpose. And they should yeah. know that by now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. I agree. Robin and Regina in the vault are this conflicting thing. And yeah, Robin's struggle is a realistic struggle. I've kind of been in a similar position before. I mean, not not the exact same position, mm. but to <laughs> to try to love one woman when there's someone else distracting you that's right there, basically, always present. That is really, really hard. So, yeah, this is a real big struggle for him. 
I just kind of hate to see the way that he he let it go and didn't hold it back anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of <laughs> super not fair because right now it's sort of I don't know it's that impossible situation of having like a spouse in a permanent coma. Not to mention she was not he believed she was actually dead at one point when he started this relationship with Regina. Right. And then, through impossible time travel, she's back. And now she's, like, not even a veg. She's, like, a frozen vegetable. <laughs> yeah. And there's no microwave big enough. And and it's just, it's it's another one of those things they like to set up where it's, like, let's put this little morality question in there, but let's make it completely more complicated than it is for 99% of the people on planet earth maybe more than 100 percent of the people on planet earth and then let's mm-hmm. ask the question it kind of bends it in an unfair direction i liked where they were going with it not where they are going right. with it well and i kind of like where they're they're not really making it about our morals people watching or the morals of the people in the town even they're making it about his morals mm-hmm and he like and later he even said this is the code that i've lived by but today like that it, it's his own morals like i really like that about this because it's not preachy at people who might not you know obviously this is a pretty you know he is married and so that makes it blatantly <laughs> he's married but it's his morals that he's going against. And that's what makes it mm-hmm. worse to me because it's not just about what people will think. It's about what is right and wrong and what he believes is right and wrong. Right. There are people who don't believe in certain things and, mm-hmm. or, or do believe in certain things. And that's their, it's your own personal compass. So yeah. it's, it's, they are making it very clear that, you know, we can have all this black and white and gray and mix it all together mm-hmm. and who knows what's right for us in this situation, but it is going against his code and he's being completely honest about that. And that will have consequences, I think. I think it will too. But it is. It's a completely unfair situation for every party involved. It's not oh, yeah. just not just Marion, not just Regina, not just him. It's all of them. Mm-hmm. And it's it is complete, like, it's very unfair to Regina for him to be acting this way as well. Like, it's not her responsibility anymore. She's put it on him. Like, forget me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't I, I don't want to make you do this. So Yeah, the whole forget me thing, it makes me wonder, is that what Regina is going to force him to do? Is she going to end up using a forgetting potion on him? Yeah. Hmm in order to make him forget her and fall in love with his wife again. Interesting. Memory has always been so tricky in this show. (laughs) I would not be surprised to see something like that happen. That's interesting. You know, he goes and finds her in the vault. A lot of people have been doing that. Have you noticed it's her new office? She's (laughs) She's not the mayor anymore, so this vault... Do you guys remember the day, the first time we saw her push on the coffin and slide it and we all gasped yes. and she went down into the vault and oh and now people just yeah they're just let's let, i'm just gonna stroll into the vault and see if regina's there yeah it's under the mausoleum that's not creepy at all everyone knows where the vault is now <laughs> everyone knows to push aside henry senior <laughs> hang in there henry 
<laughs> or it's just pushed aside all the time. Yeah. Like into the mausoleum. Yes. Yes. I know you're new to town. She, you will find her in the mausoleum, under the mausoleum, really. It's fine. It's normal. Perhaps she has an open door policy. Now. <laughs> Love is an open door. <laughs> At the sheriff's office, when Emma and Elsa were there and they did their little practice thing, I, of course, looked at the screen very, very closely <laughs> just before Emma put that book down with the runes in it. Yes. And there's a an interview transcript there. I can't figure out whether it ties in with any fairy tale because I, I did some research on this. I couldn't really find anything. The transcript actually repeats and it's someone interrogating or interviewing this person, asking these questions of this guy named Cyril or Cyril Keep. Cyril? Yeah, Cyril Keep. He's a homeless guy, a former math teacher, and he was accused of taking a boy and he did so out of anger, but then the boy's missing and he doesn't know what happened to the boy. It's probably nothing, That's but weird. I just found it interesting. That's and then really the, creepy, actually. the interview script yeah. actually repeats itself. Okay. That re- reminds me of there's a play called The Pillow Man, which is really, really, really <laughs> creepy. Like really creepy, like R rated creepy guys Ooh. don't. You're like, it's I creepy. mentioned it, but don't actually go look it up. <laughs> yes. No, but it does. It sounds exactly like that. And and the it's a play, actually. It's a, a like a, yeah, a manuscript of a play or whatever. And it's it starts off with them interrogating this guy about a missing boy. So, mm-hmm. well, that's creepy. I don't really understand in the practice what happened with the candle. I didn't know if Elsa tried, like, like put it out or if it, she's like, she held her hands out awkwardly. See, the way they first read about the candle, I was like, oh, man, it'll totally take your powers away permanently. And they're like, let's try it. Yeah. I was like, what are you yeah. doing? Oh, I'm sorry. It didn't work. I was able to, like, put it out. Well, good. That's probably good. But it looked to me like, basically, there's a switch on the bottom of the candle. <laughs> she put her hand on it and the flame came up. It's probably kind of like the Peter Pan bracelet. Which, why didn't they just go find that and put that on Elsa? <laughs> yeah. On Elsa. But, or on, uh, on, on Ingrid. But this, it seems like it's only when she's captured that she wouldn't, supposedly wouldn't be able to use her magic. But it turns out that she could still. So maybe Ingrid actually planted that story there. Maybe everything in the sheriff's office is a plant by Ingrid. Possibly, because everything is going according to Ingrid's plans. Although Ingrid did look genuinely surprised when Emma captured her. Did she? She wasn't just acting? It's hard to tell. (laughs) I wondered if Ingrid flinging the icicle at Emma somehow made Emma able to capture her and that it was all part of her plan. Because otherwise, that makes not a lot of sense. I loved that icicle bullet. I thought that was pretty cool. It, It did inspire more emotion in emma than just emma practicing Mm. the whole practicing Mm -hmm. thing it's like hey we finally found a way to take down the evil villain in the town let's try it once oh we didn't work right okay let's practice later we'll we'll have time to take down the villain later right now i need to go babysit it kind of fizzled and i don't even know what happened and we'll just try it on her okay well life goes on we just try it on the snow queen the young mom support group was cute. It, it was. I think it was great. I to didn't see, think it was cute. I thought it was depressing. Well, it was great to see Ashley and baby Alexandra <laughs> again, and to see uh, their Aurora with baby Philip. 
The song was awful, and I feel like it was tongue-in-cheek. I love that song, Jeremy. (laughs) But it was was like, it didn't, I was vaguely aware, I guess, that they were singing, because it was like it came back from a commercial or switch scenes or something. But then I hear them sing Goodbye, Neil, and I was like, what is happening, right? Oh, the baby. Okay. So, yeah, you really do tend to sing goodbye to all of your love interests. As somebody who has been to a baby group like that with a baby, <laughs> and they sing that song at the end, like for real. So, oh, and it's also a good night song. You can make it into a good night song. So that's I liked it just because I uh, was a nanny and I sang that song for years. Well, so okay, it was um, strange. I, there were some <laughs> other things about the scene I didn't like, like the continuity errors that it was. Oh. With. Such as? Such as Alex is a girl, Ashley's baby, which I guess this baby could have been a girl, but dressed, the baby no. Ashley was holding was dressed very much like a boy. And like Ashley's baby should be like three years old by now. Yeah. Two really? Three years old. Why? Well, th- okay. So it was the very beginning of season one when Ashley oh, had her baby. Price and of magic. so that's a year before the curse was broken of time that was moving. And then we've got uh, like a year. a year. Well, the price of gold was the episode. Remember the original Cinderella episode? At the end of that episode in Storybrooke is when Ashley gave birth to the baby. Right. And named her Alexander. And that was one of Emma's first. That was like Emma was. Emma didn't even have clothes yet. Sure. I just don't remember Emma being in town a year before the curse was broken. Oh, I thought it was a year, but. But it was several weeks. Just the, Adam and Eddie have said that. Each season is roughly a year. Yeah. Hmm. Could be. And it was definitely, there was definitely even the few weeks gap between like when Graham died and the funeral, they mentioned the gap Six specifically. Weeks. Yeah. Because yeah. that's what it had been for right. <laughs> for airing too. Yeah. Well, and then there's the lost year that just happened. Right. right. And they weren't frozen during that. So the baby should be at least two. Mm, yeah. Hmm. Because there's also season two, which doesn't even account for any of that time. So it's like either they named their boy Alex that they had after their girl Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Makes or it easy. somebody made a little bit of a goof. Yeah, I think uh, it was a little goof. That's annoying. Uh, plus, biggest Disney continuity error ever, Cinderella said they tell the children i thought she called him a boy now that i say this out loud i thought she called her baby a boy no she said tell him she was talking to emma to tell neil oh okay but she said that he would turn into a pumpkin at midnight people always (laughs) say that but cinderella did not turn into a pumpkin her carriage turned back into a pumpkin people (laughs) this is basic disney continuity and error correction and now you've got cinderella making the mistake in her own story that's what all that's just sad oh it's just sad that should be like her pet peeve i think that would have been great if someone else said oh i just i'll just tell him he'll turn into a pumpkin at midnight she'd be like actually it was the carriage not me (laughs) thank you that would have been great for me yeah did you guys see the hidden mickey in this scene (laughs) no no i wasn't looking for it in this scene i was looking for it elsewhere Oh, Where one of the it? babies was dressed up like Mickey Mouse. Oh, yeah. And they it's were... probably the same little costume that I saw at the Disney store last year on a really creepy looking baby mannequin. I might have a picture somewhere. 
might have to go in the show. Maybe. Notes. Yeah, it wasn't any of the, like the named babies that we know, like oh. Neil, Philip, or Alex. It was one of the other babies at the back. Yeah. I can't believe you guys missed that. I was so excited. You know, now that you say that, I see it in my mind. I remember <laughs> seeing that, but it didn't register as, oh, that's Mickey. <laughs> when Dairy Queen was taken into <laughs> interrogation, um, some of this conversation here, I think, tells us a little bit of the story that I'm going to guess one of these episodes will get to see the actual backstory of when Emma was a girl living with Sarah Fisher. Yeah, that'll be interesting. But I think we got a couple hints of maybe what happened here. One of the things is that Ingrid said, use your superpower. And Emma was surprised about that, that whole thing. It makes me wonder if Emma discovered she had that ability while she was with Sarah Fisher or Ingrid or Snow Queen, Dairy Queen, whatever you want to call her. Or if maybe Sarah, back then as the foster mom, helped Emma learn to harness that ability. Yeah. We've theorized about that a little bit before. Hmm. That'd be kind of strange, though, right? I mean, I guess Emma doesn't have to know everything about her history to know about magic. Right. I think if Emma, because we know that was the next house that she was in after the whole experience with Lily, which really hurt her. Perhaps just in conversation, she could have mentioned, oh, I thought I had a superpower, but turns out I don't. And then the Snow Queen could have been like, oh, I'll help you with that. Tell me if I'm lying. Maybe Emma accidentally killed Lily. (laughs) And so Sarah slash Ingrid was like, "Uh, this was a mistake. Let's remove all of that. Well, (laughs) Dairy Queen did say every family has their ups and downs Mm -hmm. in response to Emma saying something about losing her memory. (laughs) Like, were they just too good? The memories. I love that. I was thinking it was the other way around. (laughs) Well, no, that's what she said. That's what Emma said. (laughs) So something, I'm thinking something tragic happened. And that's why Sarah had Emma's memories removed, just Mm -hmm. like Gerda had all of the memories of the entire kingdom removed. Mm-hmm. for their protection because something tragic happened. Maybe the CAS, uh, Child Protection Services, I don't know what it's called in the States, uh, got word that Ingrid <laughs> was not on the up and up and was not actually from our world, <laughs> nor was she qualified to be a foster parent, and so they took Emma away. <laughs> I'd like to see the case file on that. <laughs> what struck me and has been bugging me in the back of my mind is how Snow Queen treats Emma and Elsa. Like, when they show up, she just attacks them. She doesn't, and the way she talks to them, she doesn't care. This is what struck me. She doesn't care about what they think of her right now. And yet, she wants them to be a family, which tells me she's planning to change them and change their minds. Because whatever happens now doesn't matter to her. As long as it gets her what she wants... Because they're either not going to remember any of it or they're not going to see it the same way once she's done. I think I agree with you. I've made a note about this for later, but I'll jump to it now. (laughs) Because at the end, Snow Queen gets those ribbons from Rumpel. She really wants those ribbons. There are three ribbons, three ribbons that the sisters used. I think Snow Queen plans to use those ribbons Mm. to change Emma and Elsa. Interesting. I don't like it. 
<laughs> Emma will become her sister. Yeah. Maybe they carry somehow the essence of her sisters and she's going to put them on them. And they're actually, maybe because they're magical, they're going to sort of become her sisters. And then everyone will be happy and whimsy and someone will just <laughs> say, you must die. What? That's <laughs> upon a time in Wonderland. Oh, I, I was like, sty. Sty in your eye? Burrow Groves. Oh, oh, wow. That whole creepy thing. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm so, I'm torn about Ingrid because she seems, like we've talked about this before, that she seems to have like a genuine love for Emma, or at least in her voice and in her reaction and her facial expressions. She seems to have that but then how could you do to emma what she did in this episode which was all mind manipulation like even gold commented on it at the end as someone who has created a lot of monsters how could she do that to emma like it just seems like if she genuinely cared for emma she should be happy that emma has found a family that loves her unless she just just has no faith in the charmings that they would ever truly see Emma and in some way feels like she's actually protecting her from harm. Hmm, That may be. She also seemed to stretch the truth a little bit. Like by the end of this conversation, you're going to let me go. I don't, I don't think Emma really let her go. It wasn't, it wasn't like here, I'm going to unchain you and then you can go. It wasn't on purpose. Right. She blew a hole in the wall and then, you escaped. <laughs> Ingrid didn't even go through the hole in the wall. Well, her snowflakes did. Oh, okay. That's true. <laughs> it was brought up in this conversation about Anna. And our listener Jessica sent an email in saying, I also find it interesting that the Snow Queen is replacing her sisters, but both Emma and Elsa resemble her sisters, Helga. Helga was the one that never seemed to doubt Ingrid or fear her and encouraged Gerda to trust her as well. Gerda was the one that seemed to be hesitant with Ingrid and sort of fear her from the beginning and was the one who trapped her in the urn. Anna resembles Gerda Mm -hmm. physically, so that could be why she didn't really give Anna a chance. It would make sense in a way why Ingrid would want to replace her sisters with two Helgas instead of someone (laughs) resembling Gerda. That is funny. Very true. Because you're totally automatically going to act like the person that you look like. Yeah. It seems to be all about symbolism for Ingrid at this point. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I feel like Ingrid, I, I still don't know whether she's lying about Anna trapping Elsa in the urn. But I imagine if Anna did trap Elsa in the urn, that it was an accident. And it was meant to trap the Snow Queen. Right. I I think it's still a lie, but we'll see. I'm sure that's a story we're definitely going to see. I don't know that for certain, but I know that for certain. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I haven't seen spoilers, but it's just one of those things. I think we all know. Yeah, we're going to see that (laughs) at some point. We have to, I think. It's like, are we going to see the curse broken? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Duh. (laughs) Emma's hands creep me out. (laughs) they look all they look like they've been burned when they're sort of glowing and patchy sort of electrical ways it's beautiful Uh, it's burned it looks weird sorry emma henry was looking 
quite dashing in his outfit there. <laughs> outfit, but in his uh, the suit. Well, they're well, cracking was, me up. It's he like he's getting re- married, right? He's getting married. It's like they recorded the scene that made me laugh, where he's like, "I'm a kid. I noticed these things," and I was like, "Dude, you are way too old to be saying lines like that." And then the next yeah. week, they're like, "Ah, uh, let's go ahead and embrace the age that he actually is." Yeah. <laughs> well, when Henry said that, "I'm getting married," my first thought, and it happened very quickly, was that Regina was dreaming. And right. she realized, like, she wasted yeah. her life away trying to save Marianne or trying to get Robin or trying to hmm. get her happy ending. That's and here her son grew up before her eyes. It reminded me a lot of the movie Father of the Bride, <laughs> where Steve Martin is hearing his daughter uh, after she gets back from this trip. Spoiler, by the way, where she <laughs> she says, Dad, I met this man in Rome and we're getting married. But when in Steve Martin as the father in his vision seeing his daughter doing this, the scene changes to where he's suddenly seeing his daughter as this little girl saying, Daddy, I met a boy in Rome and we're getting married. (laughs) That's kind of what I thought they were sort of doing here was some kind of weird image that Regina was having. That's funny. I liked that he said she was tearing through the book with her scary face on. Yeah. Like we've gone from my mom's the evil queen and she cursed everyone, and I'm terrified of her, too. He's like, yeah, your scary face is just a thing I acknowledge now. I actually like it better than being like, is she going to turn evil again? Yeah. It's like, well, she has these moments, and she has a scary <laughs> face sometimes. Your scary face is showing, your snowflakes are flurrying, <laughs> your, you know, same thing. Is is Henry living at Regina's house again now? Uh, sometimes. I get the feeling sometimes. Yeah, I think he goes back and forth. Because there's not really room for him at the apartment. It's not an official arrangement. He just does what he wants. Okay. Right now, it's helpful to Operation Mongoose to stay there so she can tie his tie and not tighten it. (laughs) And then he can go to work. In the diner, Robin Hood was going all Graham on that dartboard there. Which, by the way, (laughs) we've never seen the deer on the dartboard again as it was back in episode seven. The heart is a lonely hunter. Hmm. Well, it was probably fake. Yeah. Now, here's something really <laughs> interesting, though. The He missed the dartboard, but the numbers next to where the darts hit on the wall are 8, 15. Oh, man. Numbers from Lost. Can that be planned? Oh, probably. <laughs> I wonder how many times they had to throw darts <laughs> in order to hit near those numbers, but they probably got a professional dart thrower. Mm, that would be an interesting kind of a job. Like, all right, you are a professional dart thrower. We want you to miss. We don't want you to do a good job. We want you to hit these specific places. Everyone will think you did a bad job. But really, we know. In this little conversation that they had at the bar when Will showed up, and that whole scene that, again, was a lot like uh, back going back to The Heart is a Lonely Hunter, where Graham threw the dart at Emma and it hit that post. Mm-hmm. Same thing happened here, and we'll have screenshots of that in case you want to see the resemblance. Uh, Different angles of the camera, but uh, very similar. This whole heart-to-heart that Robin and Will had, I think communicates to me that Anastasia was lost. Not that she left, but that she was lost somehow. Because you look at how Will was, if you watch Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, you see Will go through these many different emotions. 
with this whole heart-to-heart between Robin and Will, I think the impression I'm getting is that Anastasia was lost. Not that she left, but that she was lost somehow. Because if you watched Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, you see Will go through these different emotions, even though for a while, spoiler, he didn't have his heart. But <laughs> when... Spoiler. When he <laughs> lost Anastasia because she left him, he was very down and very kind of like hateful on the world sort of thing here stealing what's different well here (laughs) it seems more like he is thankful for the time that he had and sad that it's gone it's the difference between breaking up with someone and that someone dying than being ripped away from you like that you need to stop (laughs) you need to stop arguing for her death I think that's probably what happened Stop. because he said uh, sometimes even when you win, you lose. And he also said, if you find someone you love enough to ruin your entire life, it's always worth it. I don't think those are the words of a man whose love left him. I think those are the words well, of a man who lost the person. I don't he loved. think that she left him, but Emma thought that Neil was dead once before he was really dead at least once. Okay. Yeah. He was lost, but he went through a portal. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to put it that way. Magic beans were involved. And Anastasia can come back. I hope that that's true. Cause, I fixed it. Because they've been through enough. <laughs> because seriously, if they destroy a major component of the whole prior series, I will actually be ticked. That book closed and I liked it for what it was. Leave it. Unless you're going to expand upon it properly. Well, and I think they will because this, like this episode, this conversation was like a direct reference to Once Wonderland. You cannot know what they are talking about when they're talking about what happened in the Enchanted Forest without having watched Wonderland. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And remind everyone of what did happen there when they said you nearly got us all killed. Uh, so Will and Anastasia were an item. She wanted to go to Wonderland and had heard about a mirror that would get her there. Huge spoiler alert also. Um, <laughs> Will was in with Robin and the Merry Men and suggested that they rob Maleficent's palace to get the mirror or to get gold was why uh, he said that. And um Robin Hood said, like, yeah, let's do it. We're only taking gold. Like, don't touch anything. It's a mysterious palace. Um, and then Will ended up taking the mirror and Maleficent found out. And it was, uh, there was a big rift between Will and Robin. But Will didn't care because he had the mirror. And then him and Anna went to Wonderland. So that's what they were talking about. But because Wonderland ended up being like a limited run show and it was just a little story, they got... <laughs> Spoiler alert. You know, there were happy endings in the show. Oh, yeah. Yes. And they need to not undo that on a show that is about happy endings. Or I will have a hard time considering Will to be a valid Once Upon a Time character. And by undo it, you mean... I mean, if they suddenly are like... Or- well, like I said before, if they want... Like, ah, we want this character in the show, but we can't get both of them. So we're just going to kill her. Then they've undone it. And that's just not a valid way to tell a story. That's just actor procurement. And I I don't like it. I agree with that. But I think killing her is sounds so wrong. But Mm. I think for the story and for their happy endings, 
her dying is a lot better than her leaving him. Well, of course, but it's still... Yeah. It's not been very long. It's still not a happy ending. Yeah. But she could also, like Daniel was saying, like she, or like lost, like she could be missing. That's why he could be like looking at her picture. I'm cool with that because that means the happy ending can continue. And we still don't know what's in his sack that's somewhere in the sand. Yeah. Did he look there? Maybe that's where she is. (laughs) I wonder if this is part of, I know with Wonderland, they were talking about if they got a second season, it would be the same characters, but a different story. Perhaps this is part of what they were going to do if they got a second season and they're bringing it into once to continue that story. Because once Wonderland was not about Will and Anna, that was not the main purpose of that show. True, but I kind of liked them better than the main characters. Sarah emailed saying, I still believe Anastasia is alive and well in Wonderland. They may be working out issues at the moment. Kristoff had trouble adjusting to palace life. It only makes sense that Will would too, even in the finale of Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. He's still fussing with his dress clothes, (laughs) just like at the ball before she left him for the first time. He'd make an effort for Anna, but I don't think life around stuffed shirts is really his thing. What's more, I think his incompetence at it is very likely to get on Anna's nerves. She loves to play queen, and having Will bumbling about is having a constant reminder of her own humble origins. If this Lilith-slash-Lily connection turns out to have anything to do with her, that child's complexion is also a little too dark to be Will's. So, one more potential bump in their rocky road. Thanks, Sarah. My goodness. Uh, <laughs> a lot there. I feel like, well, I mean, sure, maybe. Doll sounds a little domestic. I feel like there's actually something keeping him from her, assuming she's alive. Mm-hmm. Like something more than just, hmm... We're not as compatible right now as we thought, because that's just silly. (laughs) Yeah, there's got to be a a bigger story to tell that has magic and stuff. (laughs) Well put. (laughs) These to be a little more fairy tale and a little less days of our lives. Or a little more furniture polish. (laughs) Or Oh, sure. Yeah, a little more furniture polish. Just It's the new Windex. When Mr. Gold told Henry, don't touch anything you shouldn't, I was thinking, oh, we know what the next episode is going to be. Henry is basically the sorcerer's apprentice here. Yep. <laughs> and he's probably going to touch something he shouldn't, just like in The Sorcerer's Apprentice with Mickey and uh, the wizard. So what's probably going to happen in maybe the next episode or an episode after that is Henry will cause some kind of magical thing to happen <laughs> in his search <laughs> for the author of the book. Because after all, he did say he thinks he knows exactly where to look. He did say that. Mm-hmm. Or did he say he had an idea of where to look? Uh, I guess it was more, he said he had an idea of where to look. Didn't Gold tell him he couldn't go in the back? Originally, yes. yeah. And now he's like, yes, he did. you can start polishing stuff in the back. Like, go take this stuff and go put it on, like, whatever, because I didn't really tell you what to polish. <laughs> uh, well, it is a magical potion, so maybe it'll guide him. <laughs> Do we think that the hat is in Henry's story book? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. I'd say sure. Because that could be if she, if Henry sees the hat somehow when he's there and then 
goes and looks it up and you'd have to get in the safe perhaps Perhaps. there's a lot in the book we still haven't seen yet a lot of pages i love that they showed ashley like they showed cinderella in this episode when ashley was in the episode again for one of the first times anyway that was that was a good because i'm always complaining that people disappear into story broken are never seen again well and she was one of the pictures in the book that Regina um, was looking at, you know, true, it's like oh, a couple in love, couple in love, couple in love, couple right. in love, couple in love, <laughs> <laughs> and a picture from the golden bird, a couple in love, couple in love. <laughs> yeah. I liked Rumpel's line observing as they all run into the shop. This kind of procession never bodes well. I, can you imagine <laughs> if you're just one of the minor people and you live in Storybrooke and every once in a while you see, a handful of the key players go running through the streets, often toward gold shop. And you go, Oh man, <laughs> honey, get in the basement. There's going to be, you know, a wraith or like vines or another cloud, certainly of some color or another, bringing some kind of doom. Get in the basement. It never helps. Do it. But now bell is included in their little posse. And so <laughs> he's going to be more willing to help them. Right. Because how can he say No. <laughs> and he's thinking we're Two. going to talk about this tonight <laughs> i thought that uh, mary margaret's reaction snow yeah snow <laughs> it's mary margaret here snow i thought that her reaction to emma sounded very motherly yeah i criticized it on sunday but this time around i was like nah that's pretty much <laughs> yeah motherly for sure and even when you're when you're pretty familiar with someone I think it shows more trust that she said it that way in a sense mm-hmm. because it's kind of like, yeah, she felt free in that moment to be like, what the heck? And then when she saw her face, she softened. I think just that reaction coupled with her reaction earlier when she wouldn't hand Neil over to Emma probably is what helped. And plus all of the lies that not even necessarily lies, but all of the things the snow queen said mm-hmm. to Emma, it kind of just perpetuated that reaction. And it was very motherly. It was like when your kid does something intentionally that you've told them not to do, that's the voice you use. <laughs> it's like the true anger disappointment. <laughs> or I never thought you would do something like that. <laughs> Yeah. And then Emma runs off like a little girl. <laughs> like a 14-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> so it's no wonder then that in the apartment, Mary Margaret was so regretful realizing what they did. And Elsa just relating totally with all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Elsa saying, I saw that on my the faces of my loved ones. And I was thinking, you loved one. You had a loved one. <laughs> That's the only one. Well, no, her parents, when she hurt Anna. Oh, that's true. I was just thinking of the ball. No, good point. Okay. She had multiple loved ones. That's nice. (laughs) But this little bit that we saw of Dairy Queen back with her actual mirror while Emma is just in a car crying somewhere. We got this piece (laughs) of feedback from uh, Jer. I hope I pronounced that name correctly said, the Snow Queen's plot reminds me so much of Richard's plan in The Guardian by Nicholas Sparks. Book spoiler warning. In the book, Richard is a sociopath who has killed pretty much everyone he has been close to, the last person being his wife. Being crazy, he goes on a very creepy, quote, recruitment, unquote, quote, process 
killing a man and assuming his identity so he can find another, quote, suitable, unquote, wife. He finds another woman that looks very similar to his old wife and even has a similar name and begins stalking her as well as taking her on extravagant dates. Things don't pan out for him and she ends up falling for another. From that point on, his plan revolves on isolating her from all of her friends, especially her boyfriend. So he stalks her and expertly <laughs> like manipulates <you> <laughs> yeah, and expertly manipulates situations. I don't know if there is any relation, but there are many striking resemblances. That is, wow, amazingly strikingly. Hmm. That's The Guardian by Nicholas Sparks. Thank you, Jar, for that. That's, wow. I mean, just change the genders, and that's basically describing what Snow Queen <laughs> is doing here. I I still feel like Elizabeth Mitchell Elizabeth Mitchell's face is showing that she loves Emma, even in looking at her in the mirror. Yeah, Maybe that's creepy that she's spying on her. Well, you think she was looking at Emma? I do. Yeah, I think she was looking at Emma. Hmm, that's what they were implying, in my opinion, but maybe not. Oh, they didn't show us that though. Well, it did show Emma. Being all alone. And then it cut to Dairy Queen looking into the mirror, kind of smiling. But I think Dairy Queen was more like, ah, this is my mirror. I will finally have it all. This is a beautiful mirror. I want to hug it. I thought she was like, oh, the happiness this will bring me. (laughs) Because usually when Regina would watch somebody, we'd see the image in the mirror. Right. Oh, that's true. Which, can she only do that because of Sydney? I don't know. I'm going to say no. So in that case, it's sort of like, why? Now that they know a mirror is involved, why haven't they asked Regina to kind of see what they can find out? Yeah. What she can find out. The last scene here is where most of us are theorizing and trying to figure out what this is. Well, we mentioned the ribbons that I, what I think those are for. But we, back in season one, before we really knew that Rumpel was after finding his son, we theorized that maybe what Rumpel wanted is freedom in this world with his magic outside of Storybrook. He wanted to leave and, I don't know, take over the world or <laughs> something, be the only magical being in this world without magic. Back in season one, we thought about that and then kind of put it aside because of all the other stuff that happened, finding his son and everything mm-hmm. there. Now it's coming back to that, it seems. And we thought it was just he wanted to be free of the power of the dagger or the the bondage to the dagger. But he wants to leave and do what? Hmm. Be the villain he always has to be. (laughs) Live happily ever after. By conquering the world? (laughs) It's the age-old question. I don't know. (laughs) Why? Why do the villains do these things? What do they really, really want? It's like, like in Lord of the Rings. Which was actually mentioned in this episode. Yeah, uh, there's a, there's a moment where one of the orcs is like, "The time of the orcs is at hand," and I just go, "Why? What is that world? What does that look like? What do you what do you do once everybody's conquered? I don't understand. You just sit around and do orc things. I'm not sure what those are. There's no orc culture, <laughs> so I don't really understand what the point is of conquering the world. They launch orc book. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah well like what is a yeah what does he want to do i don't understand his his uh his end game now that he has no one to pursue it makes me wonder if he's wanting to return to his position that he had 
back in the Enchanted Forest as Rumpelstiltskin. The one people whisper about? Yeah, and <laughs> this powerful being that everyone in all the realms fears or has heard of, <laughs> and he wants to be that outside of Storybrooke. The Storybrooke is too small for him. And meanwhile, Dairy Queen just wants to make Storybrooke a kingdom of isolation. Yeah, with nobody except these two fake sisters. And it'll look like she's the queen. <laughs> so what is it that Rumple needs to do in order to cleave himself of the dagger? He said, not only can I do that, but I shall do it with great pleasure. Of course, you need to lean over and whisper when you're in an empty shop. Well, you never know who might be listening. Might be a little Henry. But the whole thing, though, you could have listened to the whole thing. It's true. That's true. Mm, she knew there was an audience. But here's the thing. On the rewatch, <laughs> when he started saying with great pleasure, the music that started playing, I suddenly realized is generally associated with Hook. And the glee <laughs> seems more appropriate assigned to killing Hook than almost anyone else. Right. That's most of what people have been theorizing as well. I know in initial reactions, I suggested Regina, but yeah, Hook does make a lot more sense. Callie wrote in saying, I uh, have a theory about who Rumpelstiltskin might have to kill in order to free himself the, the dagger. I believe it will be Hook. The Snow Queen is set out to remove anyone that's close to Emma from her life. So it makes sense to me that she would have him that's Rumpelstiltskin, set out to kill Hook, considering how close Hook and Emma have gotten. Plus, with how much Rumpel and Hook dislike each other, he would get great satisfaction out of killing him. Yeah, I think it does make a lot of sense. If he can just get Hook to swing on that swing by the jagged rocks, everything will be fine. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm thinking it's it's Hook that he has to kill. Because I, I just can't think of anything else he would be so excited to do right and especially in this season even though in last season or at the end of actually the second season hook and rumple basically agreed that yeah we're finished trying to kill each other in this season their rivalry has really flared up again with hook trying to basically ransom things against rumple <laughs> or maybe what she said was you need to take your wife back to that mansion and do another dance in the ballroom, but this time wearing the funny hat. <laughs> <laughs> it could be, it's one of the two. I don't know. I feel like it shouldn't be a specific person that he has to kill. It should be like the thing you love most. No, well, that's for the dark curse. Well, but something like that, I mean. To hmm. free yourself, it's the person you hate most. <laughs> Gosh, that's a terrible message. And that might be Hook. <laughs> If you have any other theories, please let us know. Comment on the show notes for this episode at oncepodcast.com slash 169, because this does conclude our discussion of this episode of Once Upon a Time. No doubt we'll see this answer probably very soon. I would guess something like this would be the mid-season finale. By the way, speaking of the mid-season finale, that is going to be coming up on December 14th, so we are getting 11 episodes before the finale, but we're getting 12 hours because this upcoming episode on Sunday, November 16th will be a two-hour episode, so make sure you plan accordingly. There's the break on November 23rd, and we'll be back then on November 30th with the podcast and with the TV show. And then 
season four returns after the winter hiatus on March 1st, 2015. Well, we're going to try and sneak in some episodes, maybe some special things before then during that hiatus to feed your once addiction and ours too, but we'll still have lots of fun during all of that. And as always, we'd love to have your feedback for each episode of Once Upon a Time. Email us with the title of that episode on which you're sending the feedback to feedback at oncepodcast.com. You can also call and leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221 or comment on the show notes. Go to the website, send a voice message through it at oncepodcast.com. Join our forums as well to communicate your theories and comment on others starting your own conversations and what you think might be going on over at oncepodcast.com slash forums. We would love to have you there. One other thing that you can do to help the podcast in addition to the donations, but a podcast review really encourages us and it helps other people find the podcast too. And Lisa P521 left a kind review for us on iTunes saying, this podcast is the best podcast out there for Once Upon a Time fans. You must give it a listen. Great insight and research. Awesome. Well, Lisa, you are awesome. Thank you very much for writing that for us. If you'd like to write a review on iTunes or Stitcher, go to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes or oncepodcast.com slash Stitcher. Please connect with us on Twitter at OnesPodcast, and I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at the Ramen Noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin on Twitter at Fleegon, that's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. I'm Aaron, and I'm on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz. This podcast would not be possible without our great team of volunteers. So special thanks to Corbin sorting our feedback, Jack writing our show notes, John Buchanis editing our episodes, Hunter and Jacqueline providing spoilers. You'll hear from them in just a moment. Jacqueline and Matthew Paul moderating the forums, Jacob helping with the screenshots, Keb managing our timeline, Aliascape moderating the chat room, and my co-hosts, Jeremy, Aaron, Hunter, and Jacqueline hosting this podcast with me. So until next time, remember, you are the queen that Arendelle deserves. And thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our donors for this episode. It really helps keep the podcast going because it does cost a lot to run the podcast. If you'd like to contribute financially to the podcast, we'd really appreciate the support. You can make a one-time donation, an automatic monthly donation, which is what helps us the best, or make a per-episode donation. All of your options are over at oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. And thank you for your support. Hi, Oncers. I'm Hunter Hathaway. And I'm Jacqueline. And it's spoiler time for Once Podcast. Episode 408, Smash the Mirror, is airing this Sunday. And don't forget, it's a two-hour episode. In Arendelle, when the Snow Queen tries to pit Elsa and Anna against each other, it proves more difficult than she anticipates. She takes drastic measures. Meanwhile, in Storybrooke, Emma's powers are out of control and her fear of hurting loved ones pushes her away from everyone she cares about. In her confusion, Emma turns to Gold for help getting her powers under control. Gold tells her about a way to rid of her powers altogether and Hook tries to put a stop to it. 
Meanwhile, Regina struggles with her plan to find the author of the storybook until her quest takes an unexpected turn. Robin Hood recruits Will Scarlet to assist him on a mission, and Mary Margaret and David search for Emma. It's jam-packed. It is. Um, but to me, it doesn't seem like it's that much. I don't know why. It's one of the shorter synopses I've ever had to read. Yeah. For guest stars, we don't have anyone huge. We've got Timothy Weber back as The Apprentice, Raph Rogers as Arendelle's servant, Lee Page as Arendelle guard number one, Patrick Rokas as Arendelle guard number two. And of course we have Anna, Elsa, Ingrid, and Kristoff. Yeah, I consider them main cast. (laughs) (laughs) Like when they do guest stars, it's all the people that we don't see every week is who I'm looking at. But this episode is written by David H. Goodman and Jerome Schwartz and directed by Eagle Eglidson and Ralph Hemmaker. We got two promos. We got an American and we got a Canadian. Yes. And the American one, of course, is very intense. And it starts off with Emma and I with Henry. And it looks like she's trying to keep Henry away from her. And yes, and accidentally blasts him back with some magic. So that should be interesting. And then we have Emma, of course, going to Rumple. And she wants to get rid of her magic permanently. And Rumple seems quite okay with helping her yes and then we do get a little bit of the past where it looks like elsa has let anna out of prison and ingrid is trying to drive a wedge between them and it looks like there might be some kind of betrayal anna rips off the necklace and throws it i think into the fire i didn't see her actually throw it but then again these are really short clips but so considering that they have it now I don't think it's destroyed, but it was, to me, it was a big deal that she ripped that necklace off her neck. Yeah, I agree. And then we have the Canadian promo, which is not that great of a quality, but I watched it. I turned, like, the volume way up on my computer. Yeah. (laughs) It's got a lot of the exact same stuff. It really wasn't that much different. But the Snow Queen really wants Emma to embrace who she is. More about Emma wanting to get rid of her magic and how Gold says that it would get rid of her magic and states it will be forever. Like, there's no getting it back. Yes, it's a permanent thing. Yeah, and Emma says, let's do this. And then, unfortunately, we didn't get any set photos this week. Actually, they came out just a couple of hours ago. Oh, of course, after I did all my researching. After you and I talked, they came out, of course. Um, There weren't that many, and they are all of Arendelle of the past. Most of them are of Elsa and Anna. There are some of Ingrid, and she's holding the urn, and it looks like she's trying to do some magic. And then there is one more of Rumpel as the dark one in the past. But other than that, it's just Elsa and Anna. Um, It looks like Elsa is freeing her from prison. And there's kind of a reunion in the past. So probably early in the episode before things get bad. I did find an art or two different like articles where they just kind of talked about what we're going to find out this week. I don't know if you saw the same ones. Probably. But uh, yeah, you seem to see more than me. But um, they talked with Elizabeth Eliel, who plays Anna. I know I said her last name wrong. She says, we get to see Anna and Elsa work together in Arendelle and see them become a team and formulate a plan. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing this is how they get the Snow Queen back in the urn. Yeah, somebody's going in that urn. Yeah. I'm not sure how this is going to work. Oh, yeah, no, that could be when she gets put in. 
right before the curse takes place or something. I don't know. Yeah. And then there was also a tidbit from Elizabeth Mitchell, the Snow Queen, and she says, yes, we get to find out what she whispered and the thoughts that people are saying are fairly accurate. Yeah, I still think it's Hook. Yeah. Because what else does uh, he want? Not much. Right. So that's all we have for the episode, but we did get some more other juicy details. We will get to see Regina as mayor again, but only in a flashback, and it's the first time she, or when she meets the Snow Queen. So that'll be kind of cool. I think this might be episode 10, because I think episode 9 might be another Emma flashback. Yes. Because we did have some set photo. You had a set photo from that one, right? Yeah, from around the time that they were filming 9, um, young Emma, played by Abby Rose, was seen on set again with Elizabeth Mitchell. Uh, it looked like they were filming at, a, I believe, a bus station. So it's probably the story of Emma and Ingrid and how Emma ended up leaving Ingrid's uh, house. And then I found, did you see the article with Lana Perella? Yes. She is dressed up as the evil queen. Mm-hmm. And um, the reason she says that she's sitting in Storybrooke dressed up like that is that for a future episode, something happens where she's kind of out of control and this just kind of happens to her. That's why she's dressed that way and why she chooses to go back to this evil queen. I think this has to do with the spell of Shattered Sight. We know that an upcoming episode is, in fact, called Shattered Sight. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to bring out the worst in people. And we actually have some set photos from that episode. And this is hilarious, but we have Granny and the dwarves fighting in the street. Are they fighting each other or are they fighting someone else? No, they're fighting each other. Okay. Like, Granny has grumpy i believe in a chokehold on the ground oh that's awesome it's gonna be hilarious <laughs> that is awesome so that's why i think regina is dressed up as the evil queen i think this is pretty much going to bring out the worst in everybody and so she's going to be returning to her darkness so you did have some interesting information from your contact up there in vancouver yeah so uh as far as filming goes the frozen cast is done they have left from what i can tell and actually they started filming episode 412 apparently today so they are working on the second half of the season now yay yes last week i mentioned that there was a rumor about three new characters coming to the show and of course we know that we're getting maleficent and we know we're Mm -hmm. getting cruella and my contact was able to confirm that we are in fact getting three total characters. Uh, Now, my contact couldn't tell me the third one, but I can make an educated guess (laughs) because we do know that they were filming at an aquarium the past few days. And the only person I can think of who would fit that is Ursula because Adam and Eddie are, are pretty close with Yvette Nicole Brown, who played real Ursula in the episode Ariel from season three. She moderated Comic-Con and she's been watching the show and live tweeting a little bit every now and then. So I I get the feeling we're going to be seeing some Ursula. Yay, that'd be kind of cool. But we will know for sure in the mid-season finale, episode 411, we will apparently see this other character. Unless we find out earlier. Right. (laughs) (laughs) 
Because sometimes things like this always seem to leak. Yes. And finally, we do have a new episode title for you guys. The first one back. So what did Daniel say? March 1st, 2015? Mm. Yes. Episode 412. Do you want to say it? Oh, sure. It's Darkness on the Edge of Town. And it's written by Eddie Kitsis and Adam Horowitz. Yeah. That is a reference to a Bruce Springsteen song. (laughs) Go, Bruce. Yeah. So this is the second episode that they've done this for. Um, If you guys remember season three, the second half picked up with New York City Serenade. That is also a Bruce Springsteen song. So if you want to check out the lyrics, they are on the forums and people are already starting to analyze them. But a big part of the lyrics seem to be about keeping secrets. And knowing that we have all these villains, that's probably going to be a big thing coming. Yeah. Well, that's all we've got for you this week. I'm Hunter. You can follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. I'm Jacqueline, and you can follow me on Twitter at Punk underscore Bunny underscore 87. Until next time, oncers. Oh.